Hi, I'm Winnie Da Silva. As a leadership strategist and executive coach, I've had the privilege of working with leaders from companies of all sizes and industries for over 20 years. Welcome to Transformative Leadership Conversations. My guest today believes that most people want to, and certainly can, find purpose and create value at work, which is why he's passionate about leading teams in the learning, talent, and organizational development space. He is currently the Director of People Development at Better, which is rapidly defining the home ownership process through faster and more efficient technology. Previous companies he's worked with include Casper, Sony Music, Equinox, Weight Watchers, and Home Depot. There are other people who can probably do some of the content part of your job, but no one else can do the leadership piece. It's not just a job responsibility. I'm the only person there to do it. And I've got people expecting it. It's also removed this pressure to be perfect. Being able to create the time and space means I actually have the bandwidth and the energy to be a better leader. And every time I do it, I'm so happy that is where I directed my energy and time uh, because it's so easy to retreat to emails or to make a deck. But those are things that usually can wait. You have the choice. And oftentimes people don't choose the management and the leadership because it's tough and it's hard and you're giving away the glory. Nathan Knight, thank you so much for being on my show. I'm so excited for you to be here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here as well. Nathan, you and I have had the opportunity to work together over the last year and a half on coaching, teaming, and other projects. And what you do is particularly close to my heart, people development. Tell us a bit about Better and what you do around people development, because that can mean a bunch of different things. Sure. Better is rapidly growing and scaling. So that's a context. But when we talk about people development, that includes you know, supporting everyone in the company, uh, learning and development. So how we onboard, how we train people to be successful at the company and navigate a career leadership development. So really focusing in on our managers and people who lead teams, because that's a special skill set. And then performance management. So that's having a company-wide philosophy so that we're all marching to the same strategy around performance, but that it feels very uh, tailored and customized to each person. Ultimately, our department is successful if we're doing three things. One, ensuring that everybody knows what it takes to perform and to get ahead, that people are getting the development and the resources and the support to be able to perform. And then three, we think about impact in terms of do people feel like they're growing and does that actually translate into real growth at an individual and company level? We're here to talk about your leadership. And of course, what you do is help other leaders be good leaders. I, I think that's fun because in some ways you're taking your own medicine. Tell us about a difficult leadership challenge that you've faced recently. Describe that for us. Sure. So I will take us back before better. Something that really hit me over the last 10 years of working is I've always been so focused on the content of the work, which is people development. That's what I've done in all different contexts. And I, I love it. And the first time that I had a larger team, so always having teams of maybe one or two people, and then all of a sudden having closer to 10, took me very much by surprise at how difficult it was. I think it was probably the most significant leadership challenge I faced. It was that moment of not only having to go from either being just me and me with a few people, 
But mm-hmm. one, having a sizable team, like a group. Two, absorbing an intact team. Then three, the fact that it just didn't go well. <laughs> it was, it, <laughs> it, it, yeah. And yeah. yeah, we can definitely talk about that because it was, not only was it difficult, but it was like emotionally draining and challenging. And it made me really doubt myself for a little bit. And I think that work has obviously impacted how, how I lead today. I, I definitely want to get to how you overcame it, but maybe stay with the okay. challenging part for a minute. Yeah. It certainly is challenging, especially in people development. A lot of times you either are a individual contributor or you've got a couple people. It's not always that you have a big team. So to go from a few people to a large team is a big jump anyway, but they were in tech team having worked together from different parts of the organization, and then it was difficult. (laughs) What was most difficult for you? Two things that were really glaring were one, the work product. There really were performance challenges. Things were not happening on time. There were quality issues. Mm. Sometimes I would find out about them almost too late to make changes. So Mm. that led to the second thing. It just didn't feel right. You know, there wasn't good communication. There was a tension. There's almost an anxious tension in every conversation and meeting. And it's hilarious when you're in it, it all just seems so overwhelming. And with hindsight, this is the work I do. And so there was <laughs> an element for me, I was wrestling with this sense of, I should know how to do this. And almost like an embarrassment, like this idea of hmm. what do people think about me if I'm the person talking about management and leadership and team building and engagement? And my own house is a mess. Yeah, the work was a problem. It didn't feel right. And also I just didn't feel right about the job I was doing. It it sounds pretty overwhelming. Just taking over a new team and leading a team is already a lot of work. But like you said, the work product, the quality, the timing, which is the work itself, but communications just didn't feel right. Like you said, hindsight is probably going to be your best bet (laughs) (laughs) in dealing with some of that. But you you were in it. Tell us a, a few of the steps that you took. And thank you for being honest about how you felt. If there's probably something I've left this whole situation with, it's a much higher degree of empathy and understanding for leaders Uh, in terms of how challenging this work can be. And I like to think I'm pretty good at reframing. So that might be a little (laughs) of what this is, but no matter what challenge you're going through, if you're also feeling stress or fear or embarrassment in any ways, it just makes it that much harder to address the real issue. And they're real things and they happen in professional context. At the time I was feeling, shouldn't I be better at doing this? I feel like <laughs> I validated the importance of the work that, that, yeah. that me and my peers do because this is real human interaction and emotions that get in the way of performance in the workplace. I think I always understood it from an, an academic standpoint, but now having a true personal experience with it, I'm better able to see it in other people and help other people. To me, it was this unexpected lesson that was really valuable. How how have you noticed that you have been more empathetic or how has that shown up for you in your work? Maybe this is less about empathy, but I'm much more forgiving <laughs> where, okay. where yeah. you realize, okay, maybe that situation didn't go perfect. Now what matters is the next step. How do I correct it? How do I address it? There is no perfection. And sometimes you need to fall and stumble a bit to get comfortable mm-hmm. doing that. 
when I'm working with other leaders, when I'm observing leaders, and when people come to me for help, I share this experience, which I think adds, if not credibility, it adds at least a lens of authenticity that I'm here with you and PS, it'll be okay. Second is you can't change exactly what just happened, but you can apologize or address it. And so part of the work is managing this. There are things you can do to mitigate it in the future. This is a skill and a behavior. And sometimes that's part of the tension of collaboration and working together. It's this tension, this balance that is the true work of leadership, especially in challenging circumstances or with teams, which is being able to hold people accountable, have a high bar and have expectations of performance and what working with you looks like, and also a bit of compassion. It's not just a linear upward climb. It's like a stock price and it goes up and down. But as long as you're trending directionally, things are good, but it's going to dip sometimes. If you can demonstrate I'm here for the work, but I'm also here for you. And let's create space and time to talk about that. What I have found is, especially in today's climate, Uh, Mm -hmm. work is challenging. Work is harder and everyone's carrying a heavier load. And so I think this lesson came at the perfect time because on a daily basis, there's something that requires you to understand that it's tough and that you're there for people. I like that summary of what leadership is, the balance between keeping the bar high and compassion Mm -hmm. and making sure that neither one of those slip. You have to have both. The high bar is not just about getting the work done. It's also, you can do this. I believe in you. You can challenge yourself. You can grow. So that's part of the high bar. I like your trending, as long as we're trending upward. Mm -hmm. (laughs) To me, it's a long game of performance. If you notice that the trajectory has changed, that's when there's usually something else going on. And maybe not the first place you start is you're bad at your job. I think that's, that's an easy place to go to. And instead... I had a situation with a team member who I just very quickly saw a turn and sat down and I had the conversation and this is coming from reading books about empathy and listening to podcasts. When someone's struggling, maybe start with, hey, I just want to check in with you because you don't seem at your best and mm-hmm. I'm assuming that something's going on and if I can help. And typically people will respond and either, yes, something is, thank you for letting me know, or we'll open up to you and you can help them. In this case, someone opened up and I was able to actually help point them in the direction of some resources that could help them and saw an immediate lift in performance and really came at it from, okay, this is a dip. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lean in and help you get out of this rut so that you can get back on that performance track. It just reiterates me that's the power of leadership, being the person who's standing just a little back so that you can recognize when they're doing great. You can give them space when they're in that sort of growth mode and and they're on the right track, but they just need to keep at it. Or when they start to slip and you realize that slip is gaining momentum and be like, okay, let's talk about how this happened and let's get you back on track. Maybe it's a teaching moment. Maybe that's a lesson enough. I'm not a sports person, but it really makes me think of when we see the value of coaches, how they are very much in the game, but they don't get on the field. Mm -hmm. They're they're Mm -hmm. watching the players and that's what coaching is, right? It's this idea of being able to know what playing in position looks like, to think about how you help then guide all the players to really work as a team. And At best, if you can think about how you can get them to almost start to self-manage that teaming. And finally, it's spotting when someone is really achieving potential and figuring out how to maximize that moment or figuring out when someone's slipping and 
doing what you can to get them back in because ultimately the best thing is to keep everyone performing, but also being removed enough that sometimes you have to make a really tough call. And mm-hmm. when I think about this experience with that team where I was having both performance and engagement challenges where I was doubting myself, it took a lot of work to be able to get back into that mode. And when I think about the other side of that situation, that's what I noticed. I noticed that I had reached a place where I've been more thoughtful about the players that I put in place about creating the conditions for them to be successful as individuals, but really encouraging and finding opportunities for them to work together as a team and having to make some tough calls and and being able to do those with uh, a sense of compassion, but integrity and feeling like this is a tough moment, but I know it's the right thing. So I can do it with confidence and not feel like maybe I failed this person. Let's go back to that time when you were in the middle of a lot of things and dealing with team that wasn't performing, the climate of the team. How did you overcome that challenge? Maybe there's two steps to that. One is in the moment you got through it and then afterwards, hindsight (laughs) and what you learned from it. Maybe you could go with the first part. If I think about leading up to that moment and probably after that moment, I was doing the thing that seems like the right, brave thing, and then later seems like such a stupid move. I was trying to basically handle it all myself, and I was trying to contain it. And not Uh like a lie. I was being upfront with people, but I was really trying to believe that we weren't at a problem stage, that we were just going through normal, early teaming things, and we were storming. So advice I give to people is believe people when they tell you there's a problem. People were letting me know there were some challenges. And then I was getting feedback that they were noticing things didn't seem right. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I hear you. I'm working on it. And then finally, I had you know, the benefit of an HR person who was like, hey, let's talk about what's going on over there. And I'm really happy that in that moment, I accepted help. And I think I'm over my head here and I need help. Give me some advice or give me feedback. on What can I be doing differently? And that was a turning point moment where it changed from something that I was trying to handle and feeling like I was doing it alone to I have a partner. I have an objective set of eyes, someone who could help size up the situation and listen to what I was saying and also play back to me what they're seeing. And just having that changed it again from something I was doing alone to a business challenge that we were trying to solve together. In this case, we quickly realized that there were layers of things going on. And that is where we were introduced. And so my leader, we had a conversation that this is difficult. And part of this is a challenge I haven't personally faced before. And we decided, and I'm so grateful for this, that I would get support through coaching. And Mm -hmm. this was, as an aside, like we talk about empathy, not just empathy for leaders who are going through challenge, but this gave me a lot of empathy for the people I put through coaching because it, <laughs> it's not just like sending someone to a spa, like it's work, you know? <laughs> it's time right. and it's work and it's, and, but it's so good to me. It's similar to a personal trainer, right? When people make that comparison, yeah. but you have to do the work, but doing it, not just for a general conversation, but to really deal with something was yeah. so helpful because it was targeted. It was like working with a doctor who's not just doing general health, but it's okay. We're going after this issue. We were able to separate out was causing the problem. Whether you're working with a coach or you are doing this on your own, that was probably the biggest unlock moment was when we split them out. Okay, we have some team dynamic issues that we need to uncover and figure out what's going on. We have 
some leadership issues that are on me or some mismatches between style and approach and energy or misunderstandings. And then there's just true performance or fit gaps with people in their roles. It didn't diminish the work that was on me, but it put it in perspective to really say, okay, these are three independent things that together are, are causing this seemingly insurmountable problem, but seeing them slightly on their own took a little bit of power out of each one of them. The image that's coming to my mind is a ball of yarn that's yeah. completely <laughs> intertwined in a huge mess and there's three different colors. Mm-hmm. And like you said, we were able to untangle all of it and look at each piece for what it was. What you're saying is there is that balance around what's mine, what's not mine, what can I influence, what can't I influence? Mm-hmm. And once you remove some of that complexity, they do become smaller problems that you can solve or you realize that you can't. Sometimes when everything's massed together, you think you have to take one approach to everything. Some behavioral shifts made them the next day. They weren't huge leaps. They were just little shifts that made a difference. The other part was this myth I had created in my mind of, I'm really good at the work. I'm not good at managing people. Yes. It's almost cringy to say now because one, I do think I'm a good manager and I get a lot of satisfaction and pride out of doing it well and and supporting people. And it it is a core of what I do. We tell ourselves stories to make sense of situations. And sometimes those stories are not productive. This was one that took really breaking this down to pull that out and then be able to work through that and get to a place where it might not be going perfectly in this situation, but Mm -hmm. this is not a sentence (laughs) on me and my future. That was so helpful to start to move that mindset. I want to put a spotlight on what you said around the myth and the stories that can get in the way of us being able to do great work, move forward, grow. That was a myth and a story you had in your head and you did a great job of tackling that. (laughs) And now that's pretty much what you do is lead teams. That is your job. (laughs) So I'm excited that you're spotlighting that because it's easy to talk about all the business stuff. If we can tackle the myths and the stories in our mind, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of the work. I think once you see it and you identify it, it almost becomes impossible to, to miss how it colors everything. When you find a single thing like that, when you pull it out, all of a sudden, a lot of other areas start to shift and change. When people talk about an unlock, that single thing was one. Were there one or two things from an outside perspective got you to the point with that particular team where you felt like, okay, we're now functioning? Mm-hmm. I noticed one thing that changes when you, as a leader, are able to step up, especially if you've gotten through a tough moment, but you've show up, declare a new day, and Mm -hmm. lay out a vision, people self-select in or out. Here's something really powerful about the leader. I have a clear vision. I have a clear sense of what performance looks like. I'm going to set standards and create consistency. I found that some people opted out on their own, and it became less of a read on me and more of, okay, people are really being able to make informed decisions about what works for them or doesn't. During that time, what didn't change was the vision of what the team needed. And so it kept this forward momentum. Then as I had the opportunity to rebuild, the team was much more focused on 
performance and a good team environment that influenced how we looked at talent coming in, much more thoughtful about how do you create a welcoming experience? How do you reward and recognize the right behaviors? But just being much more intentional about both of those things and not assuming they're going to happen. Even a high performer or someone with a lot of potential still requires management and leadership in those moments of transition and change. And team still requires a leader bringing it together and, and helping it form to its best. That's work. And that's the work of leadership. It sounds like there was the shift in your mind of the work that I do is me leading the team Mm -hmm. where before it was just get the work done and here's the work, go do it versus, oh, a big part of my actual job, a big chunk of the time that I spend is me working with this team. Do you think that's true? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. If I think about how this goes into the work of building teams, particularly when you're building multifaceted teams with layers or different verticals. You have to be extremely thoughtful about where do you need expertise and where can you afford to have gaps? Where can there be people that they're going to perform very quickly? And where can there be development runways? I always say you have to be able to do the job 60% day one. <laughs> and then yeah. there's this gap that onboarding will get you closer to. And then over your first year, you'll get to hundred percent. Everyone on the team has significant gaps. I see that as a failure on me because that wasn't their background, their education, their experience. So there's this misunderstanding. I can teach people, but teaching takes time. I'm going to have an intern and they're going to do this project. I'm like, you're going to manage them every minute of the day because this is a learning experience. You have to teach when you have a team. Unless you plan to spend every minute of the day teaching people everything, that's not a team. Like, that's a school. When I thought differently about building the team going forward, I was very intentional about having clearer roles that were more defined, and they had an intrinsic motivation to do it. And that was a game changer. So I look back, and it's funny, because all of these are lessons that I think anyone in my profession, people across leadership in general, be like, yeah, of course, this makes sense. Even being someone who knows that so well, the impact to how someone's going to perform and how that turns into results for the company, how it feels to go to work every day, and ultimately how people feel in their jobs is real and significant. So this isn't just theory. You have to have the domain and content expertise. You need to have done it. And that helps what good looks like and spot potential. So all of this work, I was like, wait a minute, is that wasted? Because I'm not the one writing the performance management philosophy anymore. I'm not the one building the leadership program. No, that's what helps me to guide and to set expectations and to veer us back on the right course if if needed. But more importantly, I realized that the true work and where the time goes is on defining performance expectations, making sure that people are capable of creating the right team structure and the right amount of expertise and the right amount of development runway that you can sustain and then creating a dynamic on the team so that you're able to pull back because if you're constantly on the field in the middle of the game you are not doing one of your key roles which is being that person who's seeing the forest for the trees and watching how it's working and then playing back what you're seeing and letting people use that information to make decisions about how they're going to improve their performance because the more that you're able to really create that self-sustaining performance that gives you the room to be strategic, to do the other part of leadership, which is outside of your team, building, making sure the direction and the strategy of the team is in lockstep with where the company is going. It completely changed not only how I work, but how I see the role 
of leading teams, which I think is an important distinction from managing individuals. The things you can do instead are integrate teams, the strategy, the vision, and also you can scale. If you were still on the field doing all this stuff, that's just one person. But like you said, if you can at the same time grow and teach and continue to raise the bar with your team, you're just going to be able to scale. We can't scale on a one-to-one ratio with the company. At some point, you have to get economies. And that comes from increasing the performance output of individuals and creating teams that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And that only comes through people having that team environment and people being able to back each other up in the very dynamic work of human beings. If one person is having an off day or is out or misses something that someone else is able to support and ideally without needing that direction to come from their manager. Those are like the real life situations that happen. And if you think about it, those happen probably thousands of times over the course of a year. And either you have a team that can withstand those things, or you have a team that's so fragile that when those things happen, everything falls apart. And constructing that strong element, maintaining it, keeping your eye on it, and getting it to a place where it's strong enough is the work of leadership. And how do you get to the place where it's so strong that it can withstand more, right? You can build Mm -hmm. on top of it. Nathan, looking back over your life and your career, are there some things that you continually turn to that help move you forward or lessons that continue to help you overcome difficulty Are there other things in your past that you turn to? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. When I think about that, there's these moments that I replay. My first job out of school and I was working for the Home Depot and I think I have a high degree of integrity about the content of work and data. And I remember there was a rounding error that we were presenting to an executive and the person I was working for, who is a wonderful person. It was like, you can just round that this way. And I'm like, no, I'm going to round it down. But we had this tug of war with it. And I finally was like, listen, if you want to change it and present it, it's yours, but I'm taking it. <laughs> my mom, the number one thing she always told me was, I don't care what you are in your life, just don't be fake. And it's something wow. that always stuck with me. And that plays out in a lot of different areas, sometimes to my detriment. But I look back, there's something that's happened in every job I've had where I've had that moment my integrity is on the line. Those challenges have not always felt great in the moment, but I look back at each one of them with pride. So one thing I always go to, it's know what's at your core. There are a lot of things that in the work of being a leader, as you work through different organizations, you should try different hats on, but you shouldn't change your core. That is one big piece. Another is I am really passionate about being a like advocate and a supporter of diversity and inclusion, finding ways to infuse that into my work. When I first started working, I had come out in college and then I went back in the closet to, to work. And it was like Kenji Yoshino talks about covering and this concept of when you cover, like so much of your energy goes towards that, that it takes away from your ability to be great at other things. And I received feedback, fortunately, very early so that I was able to do something about it. The feedback, and probably for anyone who's worked with me, will find this shocking, but they're like, you have a very quiet presence. You disappear in rooms and don't really speak up. And the feedback from your managers is that this is surprising because in a smaller environment or when you're one-on-one, you're extremely passionate. Your ideas are well thought out and you know well-researched. It's really powerful, but others aren't seeing it. 
it took me a minute to realize it's because I'm trying so hard to not be myself that I'm not being myself. And when you put part of you away, I think you actually put a lot of you away. As you become a leader, hopefully you spend time getting to know yourself and figure out how you can be that person all the time. Also, when I think about the work of DEI, what inspires me is how the work of people development creates conditions where people can be their true selves, where we create the sense of fairness. Also, I've realized I have a lot of power <laughs> that I used to maybe hide from. And mm -hmm. I have a responsibility as a leader to create the conditions for my teams and people that hire to create diverse teams. So this is important to me, but now I see it as a responsibility. One of the things that strikes me is you've really lived through the things that you're passionate about mm -hmm. and the things that you've learned in your life have been hard won. And, and I think that brings a lot of depth. You've had to live through how to become a leader. Don't be fake. Be authentic to your core. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. It's also given me a sense that everyone else is also living their own story and their own challenges. There was definitely a time where I was so fascinated with my own story. I thought my movie was so great. <laughs> and, uh, and it's nice to find people who validate that for you. When I think about the teams I work with and the peers I have, it's figuring out how to create room for other people to bring their lived experiences and stories into it and, and encourage that and pull that out. People do it in different ways. I try to encourage people to put it into their work or to talk about it. And that to me is one of the values of building diverse teams very intentionally. I don't think that my experience is the richest and is the only one. The way I tried to bring that to life for my team is I constantly say, there are several right ways to do this work. That's exciting because it means there's a lot of ways to win. So our job is not to be the right one and not always to be the smartest. Our job is really having an informed opinion and talking to people so we can figure out what we propose is the best right way for this place right now. But we have a absolute responsibility to know what the wrong ways are and to not let those happen. It's something that has shifted in me over the last year where rather than seeing that my job is to be the one to, to come up with the answer all the time or expect others on my team to do that. It's more about making sure we have a team that has an approach that you trust your instincts and use your gut, but also really listen and get other perspectives and then use all that to propose something that you think is the best answer at this time. And that's what actually valuing diverse opinions looks like in practice. Mm -hmm. You do a good job of seeing people holistically and yet keeping the boundaries, but recognizing people uh, and their stories and, and what's going on beyond uh, the work and how it might be impacting their professional role and caring about that. I will say from the work we did together to having to live through it and then also continuing to do the work. I think one of the things I was afraid of is that managing people and leading teams, it can consume you. I hear people say, you have a full-time job and then you have to manage. And I think you have to view managing as a huge part of the job, if not the job. And the more people that you're responsible for, the greater that responsibility comes. If you are trying to do three jobs and the thing that suffers is the leading and managing people, there are other people who can probably do some of the content part of your job, but no one else can do the leadership piece. It's not just 
a job responsibility. I'm the only person there to do it. And I've got people expecting it. And it makes me want to be better. It makes me own up to it. It's also removed this pressure to be perfect. But I think being able to really create the time and space for it means that I actually do have the bandwidth and the energy to be a better leader. I do have the time to prepare for those conversations. I do have time to think about what needs to happen over the next week or when I need to clear space because I can see someone needs support. And every time I do it, I'm so happy. That is where I directed my energy and time uh, because it's so easy to retreat to emails or to make a deck. But those are things that usually can wait. Whereas the things with people, the timing of it matters so much. I think about working with leaders is really finding ways to encourage leaders to figure out how much energy and time is it going to require for you to be a good leader based on the dynamics of the team and the size of the team and where the team is right now and how do you create space for that and then build the work around it so that you're protecting yourself and this is how you get things done because leading is getting work done through people. <laughs> Another aspect of what you're talking about is managing your own expectations mm-hmm. around your own work time output. So if your expectations are, I'm going to get all this stuff done, even though I know I'm supposed to be leading people, but that's not a priority, you're going to be really disappointed. Something's going to suffer. You have the choice. And oftentimes people don't choose the management and the leadership because it's tough and it's hard and you're giving away the glory. I'm very fortunate that I have a situation where I get support from my leaders to prioritize this. This takes real time, it takes skill, it takes practice, and it takes a consistent focus and energy. And if people think they're going to do it successfully on the side of their plate, what have you ever done successfully on the side of your plate? Nathan, this has been such a great conversation. I'm excited to share this. And thanks for, for talking about very personal things. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transformative Leadership Conversations, with me, your host, Winnie Da Silva. I hope you enjoyed my conversation. To learn more about my work in executive coaching, leadership development, and team effectiveness, check out my website at www.winniedasilva.com or you can email me at winnie at winifred.org. I'd also love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Reach out and tell me what was helpful about today's episode or tell me about any other suggestions you have for my show. I look forward to sharing another transformative conversation with you next week.